Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my delightful friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin podcast today, wrapping up season two of The Wheel of Time. Where would you like to begin? Because I know last week we didn't we didn't get into all of your notes and all of the things that you wanted to talk about. And also another good question is spoilers, no spoilers, full spoilers. Let's do spoilers today. Okay. Just to be on the safe side and we don't have to like overthink things. I think I, I want to do speculation too for like season three. I don't know if we can actually help ourselves in doing that, but that's like one of the things that's also on my mind is like, where are we going from here? Yeah. 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 Let's see here. I'm actually just kind of scanning through my notes. Do you want to do this like chronologically? It depends. I mean, are we covering just the episode eight or are we kind of moving all over the place? What a fun question. Like full series or full season, I mean. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that idea. Well, I guess in that case, because I mean, this has been on my mind and I don't really know like necessarily kind of how much we talked about it, but like every time I say good girl to my dogs when I'm out walking now, I have that Rena scene with Egwene. Like it just hits my head. And I actually think I have a question around that because Megan, is that her name? The blue sister that's there? Yeah. How is she able to channel in that moment? I've been trying to think about it because she's sworn the three oaths, right? Right, 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 right. It would be the same thing, I'm assuming, as just how any of them can that are Aes Sedai in the books. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, with the collar on, it starts messing with the oh. like the physics of how channeling works. Because it is a Tarangriol. The Oathron right. is a Tarangriol. Yeah. And then if we look at what Nynaeve had said when she's handed the collar by Reyna. Yeah. Or Rima. Sorry. Rima. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too many R names. Right. R names, S names. All the Nynaeve names. says that when she feels it, she feels that the collar has a need and it mm-hmm. wants to be healed. Mm-hmm. And the only way to heal it is by putting it on the neck of another woman who can channel. Yeah. To me, it feels like that the number one goal of this collar is to, like, get on the neck of someone who can channel. Like, that's the most important thing for that, which is also why when Egwene collars Rena with it, yeah. Some people would argue, like, hey, Egwene is using it as a weapon. She can't do that. She can't use a weapon against her soldom. Right. But... To me, it feels like this item, this Tarangriel, has a need of its own. And Ooh, that yeah. need comes before anything else. So in terms of, like, the three oaths, well, that's another Tarangriel. So, like, not hurting your soul dam, that's another rule that it's, like, bypassing in this moment. So I, I feel like just the color itself, like, has an order to, like, what can and can't happen yeah and that's like the most important thing for it like first the collar is like of importance and then after that like some of the other rules kind of go out the window interesting okay I like that and how (laughs) I like this a lot too how put in chat I think in the show it is technically the soul dam who's controlling so the oaths aren't a hindrance the domine is just a battery and that's a really interesting way of putting it that makes sense to me because I was trying to right. think, like I was actually thinking about like Battle of Emmonsfield where Alana is like, 
I can't channel because I don't feel like I'm personally in danger yet. And like she had to kind of like step further and further. And I think it happened then. There is a moment where that happens. But like I was wondering maybe Megan was like my life is threatened. My my person is threatened if I don't channel the way that my Sildam wants me to channel. And so that's kind of what I was thinking might be what was allowing her to channel. But I love the idea of like the, the caller being almost like an interference to the oaths. You could argue too, like say you linked up with a group of people, right? What if someone who was leading the circle isn't an Aes Sedai? They can yeah. still pull your one power from you and use yeah. it and possibly get around the three oaths in that way as well. Yeah. As much as Robert Jordan did to create rules of this world, there are a lot of things that I feel like you can really question and uh-huh. have some good discussions about where some things like aren't entirely cut and dry I guess (laughs) no that makes that makes a lot of sense like I think that that's important to have those things that aren't super cut and dry like that yeah I just think too like specifically with the channeling this season Uh I know I've brought it up in an earlier episode maybe way way back but something that I think they've done really well on the show is taking this idea of channeling and making it a little bit more fun and a little bit more interesting and coming up with different ways of channeling that look exciting and that have new, have like new ways of like doing things. For example, I'm going to pick just two, two random people. Let's say like Varen and let's take Reyna from the Yellow Aja. Rima? Both of these characters, two different Ajas, right? Brown Aja, Yellow Aja. So. In episode one, we see Varen do a little bit of channeling. And what I think is really interesting is they've made what she does with her channeling coincide with her Aja. Because, you know, brown, knowledge. Mm -hmm. She would have this background on the fades or the Mertral, right? right? Like she she would probably know more about these creatures. Than someone who is, let's say, like in the blue Aja the blue, or the yellow yeah. Aja. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's something that she would be probably, she might have studied or looked into. So yeah. what does she do when that Merdral shows up? Well, the Merdral doesn't have eyes. So first she like hits it with this like concussive yes. sound and disorients it. So yes. like she's utilized her knowledge of the Merdral not having eyes and probably using its sense of sound to like stun it. But then yeah. on top of that, she channels fire into her warder Tomas's sword. And yes. then that creates light. So he's essentially fighting this thing with like a torch. And what that does is it creates like less shadow for the Merdral to be quick in. Like it's yeah. utilizing its weakness. She's got the sound thing going for her. Then she lights everything up, and he's easy, fresh kill. Yeah. Wipes hands clean. Like, that was it. Well done, Varen. She utilized her knowledge in that instance and used it effectively. Then we move to Rima from the Yellow Aja. Yeah. She does something similar, where as a healer, she yeah. has to have knowledge of anatomy and bones and physiology and, like, how the body works yes. as a yellow Aja, as a healer. Yeah. So what does she do? She uses that to her advantage, and she, like, breaks this woman's bones and, like, contorts her into just, like, <laughs> a slinky. <Yeah>. Okay? <laughs> and in the books, we do not get stuff like that. Like, no. it's just like, oh, you know, like, fire, weaves of air. Like, Explosions. Sure, towards the end, we get some of the things, like, maybe Andrel can do. Yeah. Where, like, Brandon Sanderson was like, oh, like, I kind of want to fuss with the magic system a little bit because yeah. that's, like, his thing. That's what he's interested in. But... The Wheel of Time TV show, in my opinion, has done things that Brandon Sanderson didn't even think of doing. Yes. Where it's like they've actually taken it a step further and have been like, okay, well, like, we have these women. They can do magic. Let's utilize it and let's make it cool and let's make it interesting and let's do things with it that 
probably people who have been reading these books have thought like, I wonder why they never did that. Yeah. You know, like if I could do magic, I would want to do this. Yes. And yeah, I think that's one of these things with this show that really stood out to me where it's like they're taking creative ideas and really (laughs) pun here, but like weaving them into the story that makes it (laughs) I feel like more thought out and Mm -hmm. more creative and more exciting. And I just love it. And I mean, it's really long winded. No, I loved it. (laughs) Don't be sorry. That was actually really well said. And like it really you're right. You're absolutely right. And I do think that especially like I didn't necessarily think about it when Varen was channeling in that moment, but definitely like the scene with Rima where she's like, it's like a crushing a Coke can in some ways. But like, yeah, her knowledge of the body and also makes me think like uh, in the book series, Chesmal Emery, one of the Black Aja sisters who had been yellow, like what she's really good at is stopping people's hearts. Like she can kill without any kind of exterior wounds or anything like that. And like Leandrin envies her and that she has that skill because she is yellow Aja. And like now we get to see in the TV show what knowledge of the body combined with the one power combined with the wildness of losing your warder can produce it almost makes the green aja kind of boring Uh. (laughs) honestly like what you know like air fire like okay Mm -hmm. but i'm assuming here that if we follow the book plot line of the two rivers yeah maybe we'll get to see alana do some really interesting stuff coming up and the way that they've utilized that actress i feel like they will want to give her Some really cool stuff. Yeah. Where in this season, she does a little bit of like water filtration. It looked great. Like (laughs) the visuals were wonderful, but it's not exactly befitting to like the green Aja, if you will. Yeah. Like this demonstration when we know what Alana is capable of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she does kind of almost play a healer role in season two versus like a battle Aja representative her caring for Lan the discussions around like her and her warder like the presence of her family like it just her powers came in in a different way like not through channeling the season I know we're getting like the battle of Emmonsfield next season so it's going to be really fun to see her and full-blown battle Aja mode after having this like almost quieter version of her in season two. Yeah. Yeah. And I am really excited to see more of her. There were so like throughout the entire season, I was like, oh no, that person's stealing the scene. Oh no, that person's stealing the scene. Oh no, that person's got it. Like I couldn't decide really at any point who was just like the best person in the scene. Cause there were just so many really, talented people working together it was honestly quite impressive yeah yeah speaking of things and people who are honestly quite impressive did we like get into talking about swan and the moraine thing at any point like i feel as though that was one of the things that i i had wanted to talk more about but i i can't remember if we did cover it or not I mean, I know we covered the episode, <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure we talked about Swan, but I don't know like what exactly you wanted to say about it. I think the last thing we see from Swan is when she's lying on the ground and Maureen is walking away from her and Lanfear has made that comment that a broken Amarillin is better than a dead one. And this is more like, how are we going to play this out season three? I feel as though in some ways this has an opportunity of falling in line with the books more. But considering like the depth of character connection and the things that have happened, I'm like, what is the Swan Elida scene going to look like? Are Swan and Moraine ever going to like cross paths again? Because I don't think they do in the books, do they? 
Are you talking about Moraine and Swan passing, yeah. crossing paths again? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, this is a pretty rough parting for the two of them, considering, like, what we've been given of their history. As far as Moraine and Swan in the show, like, I don't know if they will cross paths again. Like you said, like, in the books, they kind of split from there, and they both go their own separate ways. We have the Swan and Gareth Bryn story. Yes. Moraine is, you know, she, she has a nice, relaxing Airbnb in Sindhal. Like, <laughs> they go on wildly different journeys. Yeah. But with the show. Yeah. I have to wonder if, and I, I hate saying this, like, I absolutely hate saying this. I have to wonder how much longer they will keep Sophie Okonedo on the show yep. because of how high in demand of an actress she is. Yes. And the fact that this is more of just like a bit role. Like she's not in the whole season. She comes in, she's got two, maybe three episodes here and there. This season just one. Yeah. So if season three they're really going to utilize Swan Sanche, which I feel like they kind of have to considering yeah. Yeah. where her story goes. Yes. I have to imagine that could be her last season. Do I want this? Yep. Absolutely not. No, I don't. I yeah. love Swan's escape from the White Tower. I love these moments with Loghain. And I actually do love these early interactions with Gareth Bren. Uh-huh. But considering that Swan's story is so much different in the books, and I don't know if they're going to have a Gareth Brynn. I don't know if they're going to have this epic journey with Logan. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what their plan is for her. Yeah. And the other question is like, what is her schedule like? How yep. much longer will she be available? Mm-hmm. Because let's be real, Sophie Okonedo could probably get just about any role <laughs> she wants. Yes, yeah, yeah. And for her, I could see her going for a role where it's like a lead role uh-huh. and something that's a bit more like a bit more used than Swan Sanche. Yeah. Now that said, I don't want it to happen. Like I hate, I hate even putting that out into the universe, but I do also feel like it's inevitable. Like depending on how far they decide to take Swan's storyline and like the book aspect of it. One of the benefits of Swan being stilled is that she's unrecognizable. The ageless, quality being an Aes Sedai, which doesn't exist really in the books, like slips away. Oh yes, in the show. Thank you. Um, like slips away and she looks like a young woman as opposed to a person the age that she is. So would something happen where they would like her being stilled does something? I just they wanted to be smart about it and leave the option open. They could still her and then she could escape. And after she escapes, we don't know what's going on with her. Like, there would always be that option for her to come back, you know, later on. You could go, like, two seasons, essentially, without her, and then, yeah. like, cut to somewhere on the road and be like, <gasps> she's back. I could see something like that working. Yeah. Obviously, I would love to have her, you know, not <laughs> disappear for a while. Yeah. It depends on what the actress wants. I, I don't know. Like, it feels like kind of like infringing <laughs> on like this woman to like talk about it like this. Like, yeah, it's all up to her. You know, like, we don't know. <laughs> but, but really, like in television and film. Uh-huh. I mean, we're not privy to like what these types of discussions are like between yeah. director and actor and showrunner. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. all of this is wild speculation. Yeah. I'm thinking about like where her story goes from here, like in the books and just like where they're going to take that in the show. If it's going to be anything like it, if it's not, how is it going to change? Like I'm excited to see whoever's gonna play Elida like come in and I just hope that they're like a really powerhouse actor to play off of Sophie Okinado because I would love if they make like this like breaking of the white tower like really dramatic I want to see the chaos 
unfold inside the White Tower. And there are so many pieces that have to be put in place before that can happen. And I'm just like, what are they going to do with Swan? Because I'm with you on like worrying that she's not going to stick around because of who the actor is that's playing Swan. If you want to keep an actress of that high of a caliber, you need to fill their time with yes. a role where they are putting in a lot of yep. scenes. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it's it's frankly not fair to their time. Yes, no, I agree. I guess, too, money is always an option. Like, depends how much they want to pay someone, like, for just, you know, one episode. Or yeah. We don't know what their contracts look like, if it's like a per season type thing or if Uh it's a per episode type thing. Like there's so many variables, but I would really love for Swan to stay a big part of the show and have something really fun and interesting to do. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering if like maybe one of the reasons why like Sophie Okinato is okay, like doing just these small almost cameo moments in the in the tv series is that she knows like the showrunners the writers have given her an idea of where this character is going to go and if that's like a draw for her to be like a bigger role and be part of the show for longer that's like really optimistic of me but well i don't think there's anything wrong with being hopeful you know (laughs) like we all want her to stay so Pardon me, my optimism is showing today. But I mean, no, yeah, right. I, that's never a bad thing. I would love that. And I think, too, like, honestly, with our show, Tom, yeah, I don't yes. necessarily see the Moraine and Tom thing. Right. Now, I'm not opposed to it. I just right. don't see it yet. Yeah. There's so many ways that they could take things much differently. Uh-huh. And honestly, like, I'm really open to it. Right. Just because, again, like, I don't know where it's going. So everything does seem like a bit more exciting where I have to guess where I'm like, I, okay, now I really have to focus and see, like, we haven't had a scene with Tom and Moraine in a scene together right. yet. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're coming up on the Shadow Rising and like, that's yep. weird from a book standpoint yes. where like... Yeah. There's no way to make any guesses based on like interactions that these two characters have had. So like I'm in the dark. We're in the dark. Everyone's in the dark. Yeah. We're all in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Lynn's in chat put lots of queers of time folks want Swan saving Moraine. And my heart fluttered when I read that at the thought of that happening. Like how cool would that be if somehow it's swan who's part of the rescue team to bring back moraine i think that would be really fun yeah if it was like a fellowship type situation like we have in the books where you know Mm -hmm. it's not just tom that goes right 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 but let me build on this a little bit please do (laughs) something that i think that could be very cool with that idea is if not only we send in Swan Sanche uh-huh. into the tower right. of Genjai. But also, can we just go ahead and make Jane Farstrider a woman too and bring her in the show? Yes. So it's like Matt and yes. these two women. Yes. Like, yes. I think they already mentioned in one of the earlier episodes yes. in season one, like Jane Farstrider, her travels. Yes. I, I would do something like that. Absolutely. No, I love that idea. I love that idea. And I mean, with the way that they've like, started pulling Matt's character I think it would play really well like for the show I think that would play really well the only problem though is that you can't really channel inside of there without being noticed you know like Uh the fin feed on channeling so they would have to come up with a really creative way yeah to do it and Sophie is a channeler she's not like a knife thrower you know what I mean yeah like they would have to find something very creative to make that work but I still love it okay so all that said though I guess that's another question that I have from the tv series is we have we have that hanging scene of Matt and I still am not sure does that mean we're not getting 
a redstone doorway moment. I mean, we, we haven't gotten to tier yet. And if we're going to be in the waste in season two and Ruidion is happening, will there be a stone doorway there? Like, are we going to get the fin introduced? So we have the Moraine Lanfear redstone doorway, which leads to the rescue later on. Like, will those things all come together? Right. Right. I see (laughs) it is not looking good for the fin. I know. That breaks my heart. And that also breaks my heart because this (laughs) swan story going into the tower is very interesting. Yeah. But man, like that breaks my heart not to have the fin. I honestly don't believe that Matt is going to get a new Asher Asheron. (laughs) Why can't I talk? (laughs) Asherandai. I always I always stumble on that one. Anyway, I don't know if he's going to get a new one, but I don't think this is its final form. Ooh, okay. Do you think it has a possibility of becoming like a power rot weapon in a way? I mean, it already kind of is. I guess I mean more like, like what if someone channels something stronger around what Matt has created? And in that way, making it more of a power wrought weapon. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> like, like in- do you just mean like stabilizing it? When- yeah. Yeah. Reinforcing it. Like pulling elements together. It's- because I mean, what? It's like attached with like some string right now. Like, I'm amazed it made it through anything, let alone an entire battle. So, like, maybe someone is like, this could be better. So if we're going just by the show, they've established that you can touch it as long as it's covered with something. Like, Lamb throws a blanket over it, you know, and he's able to move it. Yeah. So honestly, we've got Perrin. He's a blacksmith. All he needs to throw on is some leather gloves and, you know, blacksmith away. I'm sure that he could <laughs> reinforce it some way and, yeah. you know, attach it to something that's not a bedpost. Right. But... <laughs> But I don't know if they took the time to make this whole scene happen and, like, present this weapon in this way. It would feel a bit strange to dedicate a whole other scene of him getting, like, an upgrade. But, like, they could totally do it. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Right. I'm just thinking about, like, effective usage of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just have a hard time believing that that is going to be the final version of his weapon. I don't necessarily think that that means he's going to get the special fit endowed weapon that he gets later on. Yeah. I mean, someone made a post on Twitter about it. Like, this isn't the final form, right? This isn't it. And Sarah Nakamura, like, just responded with, like, emojis Okay. That made it seem like, no, it's not. So, Interesting. I don't know. So, the other thing that Matt has that's coming up in, like, the Shadow Rising that is a product of going through the Redstone Doorways is the Foxhead Medallion. And that's actually pretty important. And it, maybe maybe they could make it so it's just like hanging on the branch of something in Ruidian and Matt's like, this is cool, and decides to start wearing it. But like, there are things that happen because of the fin, and it just seems like it would be such a shame to deprive the TV show of that possibility. Yeah, and I could also see the possibility of like the eel fin not being included, but we get the ale fin, so we get like the questions answered, but okay. not the like gifts of the fin, I guess. Right. It's so hard to know where they're going with it. And again, like how many Tarangriel are scattered throughout yeah. the world yes. where he couldn't stumble upon something. Yeah. That's what I was saying is like when he goes to Rudian with Rand, there's that entire plaza that is just littered with magical objects and i could totally see matt wandering around and being like i like that that's going on me 
I could imagine him like dicing with a couple of Aiel, you know, like playing some type of Aiel game and like someone randomly like betting him for it. <laughs> you know? I love that. I love that. That is really fun. Hal put in the in chat that he was hoping for in the finale that once Matt blows the horn, he gets like an upgrade and is like, da, 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 my magic weapon of awesomeness. Like, and that does not happen. I find it interesting when he has that moment where he's like, I remember. I remember who I am. Does that take the place of him going through the redstone doorways and having his memories filled in for him? It doesn't look good, does it? <laughs> I know, I know. And I feel so bad because I'm like, no, that kind of like makes it so that you don't have to necessarily do that thing. And I mean, there has to be a way that Moraine could somehow, I mean, what if instead of them being like trapped in the world of the Finn, they're trapped somewhere in Teleron Rio together? You could do that. That's totally possible. Dream shard of some kind. And they're stuck there together. Okay, so we're getting Ruidion. That's right. Fact. Yeah. As of yesterday, with the Comic Con panel, Rafe said like it's happening. Nice. Don't worry, it's there. Cool. It opens the doors for a lot of things to happen. Right. Specifically with Rand's story. Yeah. But also, we don't know. This is probably going to leave Matt a lot of opportunity to be off to the side doing something of his own yeah in the waste if 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 he goes there which i feel Ooh. like he has to it would be bizarre for him not to after being separated from everyone this entire time i agree i i just had automatically assumed matt would be with rand in the waste to me the big question is what's tom going to be doing this season that's on my list too is how are they introducing Tom? Where is he going to be? How does he reconnect with everybody? Is he hanging out with in fall and we don't know it? And he bumps. Does he travel with them into the waste? And that's how he and Maureen like build their relationship somehow. Honestly, I, I could see Nynaeve and Elaine running into him somewhere, and him recognizing ooh. Elaine and being like, "Whoa." Ladies, do you need some protection? <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be good. Like, maybe he's in Tanchico. He could be anywhere. He could be anywhere. But I feel like that would be the most logical way to bring him in, is, like, him recognizing Elaine. Elaine. And feeling some type of way, you know, like, him wanting to make sure yeah. that she's protected or yeah. just there's an extra set of eyes you know making sure that the daughter heir doesn't end up in a gutter somewhere right Ooh, i like that that makes a lot of sense it feels like we're not getting like the big tier battle moment anytime soon maybe not at all i honestly don't know so you don't necessarily need Matt and Tom together because they part ways there in tier anyway. And Tom's off with Elaine and Nynaeve and Julin is there too. So do are we getting a Julin? I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's necessary to have a fourth. I don't I don't know. One of the things that I really like about Julin as a character is his ability to get into, like, the underbelly of the cities and find stuff out. Like, Tom looks for the political maneuverings and who's doing what and what lord has this thing and, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's looking at that, and Julian is like, this is what's happening on the ground and what people are saying in the taverns. And, like, I love the dynamic of getting to see the cities and the places that they're in and I feel in the show it could be really fun to like get to learn this world better through a character like Tom and a character like Julian so it's not necessary but it sure would be fun well I mean you could give Tom those attributes as well like oh for sure yeah hanging out in seedy 
ends in I mean he's pretty comfortable yeah exactly he's comfortable on either spectrum so he could just be like our our jack of all trades really oh he's a man that wears many hats exactly yeah interesting I mean three would be easier to maneuver so how are we getting okay I feel like I have so many questions how are we getting Nynaeve and Elaine often hunting in the Black Aja? Two options. They decide on their own. They're going after Leandrin. Okay. So they would need someone to give them information on where to start, right? Yeah. They would have to invent something, or they end up back at the tower for a very short time being, and maybe they run off during the chaos. But I feel like if they're going to do that, they need to make it like episode one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like back at the tower. Mm-hmm. But then that, that doesn't, doesn't give, give enough time for a scene in Camelin with Elida. Right. And then to come back to the tower. So I just. Well, and I'm also thinking like Elaine and Rand need to build up something. Like our our brief moment of them meeting in the season finale was lovely. I actually really liked how that was done. But like, if we aren't doing tier, if we are separating from here where Rand is going to go off to the waste and Elena and Nynaeve are going to go hunt the Black Aja, we need something for those two at that time. And like, that doesn't give us a lot of room for them to go to the tower and then go to wherever they are for hunting the Black Aja. I think they're just going to go off and start their hunt from fall. Yes. We could also attribute that to Egwene and her talents in Teleronriode because we could have Egwene see something in Teleronriode like for example, like a meeting of one of the Forsaken. Isn't there an, a moment with Mogidian and Leandrin, I want to say? In Teleronriod? I don't think in Teleronriod, but just in general. Oh, yes. Yeah. You could potentially see her, by her, Mogidian, speaking about like Leandrin and the other women, the other Black Aja, like they have to flee the tower, blah, blah, blah. And then Egwene is like, oh my gosh, you guys, I just saw something. I just heard something. Like, I know where they're going. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually what I've kind of been thinking is like, either some sort of message is going to be given to them from someone, or there's going to be a dream sequence. Like, we're going to start very early on unlocking this ability for Gwen and her dreaming capability. Yeah. I think it would be really interesting to see like more of that kind of use with Teleron Riyadh. I think that would be really neat. And too, I think it would be really beneficial if we get like the introduction to it and we see what's happening and we get the lessons in Teleron Riyadh. But what I'm really hoping for this season is that we move away a little bit from, I want to phrase this in the right way so it's not taken incorrectly. But for this season, the thing that I loved was like this massive focus on Egwene's story because it is a huge, huge moment of her character arc. Like this really sets her off in a direction of, I want to be the best. I need to protect myself. I cannot trust anyone. I have to be self-reliant. It's up to me to stay alive. I have to be there for myself. Yeah. It worked really well within this season, and it made it so fulfilling to watch. Yeah. But with this next season, if we're going to kind of look at the characters that need the most in terms of story to get to know who they are as a character yeah we really need that for matt we really need that for perrin yeah and i want to say because elaine is the new character 
Yeah. We need that for her as well. Yeah. I would add Avienda to that as well. Well, yeah. Like, I feel like her and Rand's story is going to be so connected in the ways, like, it's a given. Like, I don't think there's any way with the time in the waste that we don't get a lot of exposition about those two characters. So, and the same with Perrin. I'm not worried about Perrin because I know where his story is going. So, like, Rand, Avienda, and Perrin, like, no fears. Matt, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Matt and Elaine and Nynaeve is where I really want them to focus in on and give some really like solid attention to because Nynaeve had a really strong first half of season one yeah her second half was by design unfulfilling because we have to really show like how much her block is affecting her yeah yeah and the people around her Mm mm-hmm with the introduction of Mo Gideon, like, I really hope that that's where this, like, really strong story comes in, where Elaine and Nynaeve are off doing these incredible things. Mo Gideon, mm-hmm. my favorite, Forsaken. So, like, already right? so excited. But yes. That's where I think, like, I'm really hopeful. Matt is more of a wild card as per usual, because you don't want yeah. him just to be, like, the background clown you know like you don't want him just yeah. to be the jokester the whole time like yeah you still want to see him do some interesting things but i will say that the, the actor is so dynamic that like anywhere they put him he will be entertaining i just hope that it's something really fulfilling for his character yeah and then of course yeah. Rand, like I have a feeling we're going to get Asmodian and like we're going to see some really awesome stuff with Rand in season three. I just I feel it. I feel it. There's no way that it can't be. Yeah. Rafe also said at Comic Con that one of the Forsaken that has been freed that we haven't yet seen will be in mm. season three and you will see them in season three. And I feel like it has to be Asmodian. It would make sense. I think I read something this morning where the writer of the article was saying that their guess for Forsaken to be seen in season three would be Asmodian, Mogidian, and possibly Samael. And I mean, of course, Lanfear. Yeah, like Samael, Grendel, Mogidian were the ones that were mentioned by name. So we know we're getting them for sure. It's just a matter of who else and at what time. I'm very interested to see how they're going to have Asmodian show up for for Rand in the Waste. This is actually one of the best parts, in my opinion, about the show, is that I know where the books take us, but I'm like, how much of that is going to make it into the show? What will they change and how creative will it be? Like, are we going to get this, like, wagon peddler group of people the way that we get them in the books is it going to be different so i'm just not sure how asmodian is gonna is gonna show up well i mean moraine and lanfear at this point they obviously don't love (laughs) each other but they also don't want to kill each other because i think they both see what the other is capable of doing in terms of helping and protecting rand yeah is there trust there no (laughs) Yeah, but, I'd say that would that would be going a little far. But I could see this being useful in terms of bringing Lanfear back in and yeah. not having mm-hmm. to disguise her. Yeah. Because, you know, Moraine will be like, oh, it's you again. You know, what are you doing right, here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, Which, I mean, also saves a lot of time, too. Because right? that's another big factor is the time. Well, you have Natasha O'Keefe. You don't want to bring in another actress just to... I don't know. I don't know. Seems easier yeah. this way. She can show up in Teleronrio too, almost at will now to speak to Rand as they've already established this season. Well, and that's actually one something that I was thinking about when we were talking about dreaming is that like at this point when we've been in Teleronrio, it's been navigated by experts. And so we have little ideas of how it works. 
But if we get to do these learning sequences with the queen and the wise ones as she's learning, I think it's just going to be such a cool experience for the audience to get to see it from a novice's perspective. And not novice like White Tower novice, but like you really don't know what you're doing kind of novice. Yeah, there's potential to really like make it awkward and bizarre. Yeah, and I think that would be really fun. Like I think about some of the the sequences where Egwene's dreams are being manipulated by the wise ones and how like dark some of those things have been like I think there's that one where Mies like turns into some sort of scary sharp toothed creature that like almost attacks her while she's sleeping and like I don't know I have a feeling that it could be really cool to like show all the things that Teleron Riot could do through the perspective of learning it with Egwene so with Rand's storyline through season two I felt like it did a really good job in many ways of mimicking book three more than book two, but still keeping like those really important book two moments there. I realize I actually appreciate this place of uncertainty and fear that Rand is coming from to get to where he needs to be. This is not an easy transition. He's found out that he's the dragon reborn. The breaking of the world is just around the bend again. Like the dark one can be released at any moment. Like all of these things just like have landed on his shoulders and he has no teachers, no one to guide him. And then Swan is like, I'm just going to shield you and keep you captive until we need you for the last battle. So that also fucking sucks. His storyline this season, I thought, actually was really good. Like, if he would have just been like, ta-da, I'm magically powerful all the time. I'm amazing. Look at me. I'm the dragon reborn. Like, would we have felt connected to him? Would we have felt the struggle of what this actually means for him? What I think is really nice about his character is that there is Mm -hmm. a quiet strength to recognizing when you're in over your head. And you need to rely on someone like Moraine, like Lanfear, someone who knows what they're talking about and is really capable to help you get out of these situations. And I think something like that can often be overlooked as strength because it's Mm -hmm. putting Rand in, you know, a less dominant, like, quote unquote, dominant position. Yeah, yeah. But frankly, like, if you want to survive, if you want to be smart, You have to throw your cards in where you think it's going to help you most. And he does that time and time Mm -hmm. again, this Mm -hmm. whole episode. And what I I really loved in episode seven, when he's imprisoned with Moraine. Yeah. And he makes that statement like, look, Lanfear is not going to be happy if she knows I'm here, the prisoner of the Amarlin seat. Yep. Moraine looks at Leanne, looks at Rand, and then, like, nods, kind of, like, giving him permission, like, go now, Mm -hmm. do it. Like, pull the ripcord. Yeah. And I think in terms of, like, what that says about Rand as a character, he's put it together. He knows, like, what the dangers are of going to Lanfear, but you know what he did? He, like, checked in with Moraine first. Like, what do you think we should do? Honestly, like, it speaks to a maturity that someone, like, for example, a character like Matt might not have. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Like, there is a level of maturity and seriousness to... Rand in the TV show that I don't feel Rand in the book acquires until much later in the series. And it's it irritates me in the book series when he's just so stubborn about like not asking for help and not using people for their strengths when he could and should. And there have just been little things in the TV show that make me think that like this version of Rand is going to be more open 
to being advised by the people around him. And I think that's going to save us a lot of time of like (laughs) things that don't need to happen, you know, like. I could see in season three that regression a little bit, though. Yeah? Because, yeah, because he's in the waste with Moraine. Like, Moraine, as much as she knows, she's not Aiel. She doesn't know the culture. She doesn't right. know the customs. Right. She knows a little bit. But yeah. in terms of, like, this new environment, yeah, she's not the person... I mean, she can still be a mentor, but she's not the person that he's going to need to go to for every little thing. Like, yeah, such a totally different environment. So I think we might see a little bit more of like a cocky Rand or maybe not cocky, but someone that's kind of like following now, like take yes. taking lead for himself. Yes. Yeah. And putting his energy where he feels he'll get the most out of it. Correct. And if at the moment he's like completely surrounded by the Aiel. That's going to be his focus. Correct. And like, or an Asmodian or a Lanfear. Like, we don't know in terms right. of, like, where this se- that season goes, like, who he's going to be having problems with, who he's going to be <laughs> making friends with, who's going to be the most important to him in terms of, like, leveling up. Like, I could right. see him getting in a right. lot of ta- time with Lan, which would be yes. really really wonderful to see i just wrote that down i'm thinking like if they're in the waste and he like he's going to need the aiel but he obviously has an interest in learning how to use his sword lan and maureen are going to be with him so i think we have like i think we're going to get those scenes where rand is learning how to fight like the aiel and also how to use his sword with lan and maybe we'll get some of those lessons with Lan that are so fun from in the books. Mm-hmm. So where are you at on your notes? Is there anything else that you wanted to get to? Have we touched on with Gideon? Not really, no. Can we do that then? Yeah. Cool. I'm loving the actor that's portraying Gideon in the end of Episode 8, I thought that was a really brilliant little, we have more Forsaken coming and meet this one and she's tiny and a little crazy and I'm very curious to see how she's going to show up in season 3 because she's going to show up a lot is my opinion. Yeah, I would assume so. So let's say we're like dropping tier Black Aja storyline and we're just jumping to Tanchico and that's where Mogidian actually like visits with Elaine and um, Nynaeve at the end and I'm like is is that going to happen? Will they do that? Are we going to have a Mogidian Nynaeve showdown and how amazing would that be? Like if Mogidian can like basically just barely move and wrap up Lanfear. How is this showdown with Mogidian and Nynaeve going to look? Epic. Yeah, I'm like, I'm smiling as I'm, as I'm asking the question because I can only imagine it being amazing. We might actually get our first scene of Balefire as well. Mm. That's the other thing that I'm wondering about is like, will we have an entire nest of the Black Aja? that Nynaeve and Elaine are uncovering that Mogidian is like she's kind of infiltrated at that point like pretending to be a servant and then later on like shows herself to be who she is and has like a showdown with Leandrin like that's another fun thing that's potentially coming is Mogidian Leandrin oh my gosh that's gonna be so good Sorry, I was just thinking about how amazing it's going to be to see Kate Fleetwood and I don't know who the actor's name who plays Mogidian, but I can just see them being amazing together on screen. Leia Costa, and she is really fun. This is a very different Mogidian than what I expected. Yeah. But saying that, I really do like what she's like. Like, I like this unhinged, like, very like almost manic <laughs> like yeah yeah toying yeah. with Lanfear. 
Yeah. It's really satisfying seeing Lanfear, who is just such a better channeler than anyone yes. that we've seen female, you know, of the women mm-hmm. that we've mm-hmm. seen so far, and just how effortless it, she is when she channels. I do really like the style of yeah. how they were showing different channelers. Like, Moraine has these, like, beautiful, like, zen-like, winding up like almost like supercharging herself but she has to do it through these motions which you know new spring she she likes to dance a little bit when she's yeah when she's channeling in the arches oh yes i love that but with lanfear it's totally different it's just like this like she's bored almost yeah like these little sparks just coming out of her in this effortless way and then with mogidian i love how she's playing with the weaves in her hands like fidgeting with it yes almost like this nervous energy i could see someone in the mindset of being someone who hides in the shadows you could see them having like this nervous energy and kind of this anxiety of having a weave ready in your hands ready to go at all times because book mogidian she's not the strongest but Right. She's prepared. And I really mm-hmm. enjoy that about her, especially mm-hmm. in that scene, because it's like, whoa, how could Mogidian mm-hmm. take on Lanfear? Like, that's not right. right. But no, like, that's Mogidian to a T. She mm-hmm. should be waiting in the shadows, ready to go. Like, she's already set her trap. Yep. That's what she does. She sets traps. Yeah. And then on top of that, just the way that they made her weaves look was really interesting. And I love Yes how they're doing that with different characters. And I really, yes, like, to come full circle to the topic that we talked about in the beginning, but it makes me hopeful that when we spend more time with Egwene, Nynaeve, Elaine, and Avienda, their weaves will start looking very distinguished, where if, you know, you saw a weave, you'd be like, oh, that was like an Avienda weave. Definitely. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it would be very cool to start seeing what our characters go to weaves are and what their threads tend to look like. And I think mm-hmm. it's just really exciting to see something like that visually because in the books, like even if you described it how like someone's characteristic weaves would look, like it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think visually that that gives you a lot of imp- opportunities to do something different and fun. And I just I know that they're working really hard with the visuals. And I know that yeah. it's such a big deal to the showrunner, to the cast and crew, like that this looks like something that people haven't quite yet seen yet. Like yeah. going back yeah. to the Comic-Con thing, they had some of the visual effects people and they were saying, look, like if you look closely the weaves of water have like little I think it was like moisture droplets on them and then like fire has like sparks coming off of it Mm -hmm. so they're really starting to think about these things yeah and I'm like oh okay like all right now so that means they're probably taking this in a lot more directions than people have really thought about yet and yeah yeah that's really cool. And like showing Mogidian, seeing her sitting there with these like, <laughs> it almost looks like, I mean, I know it's like spiderweb-esque, but like yeah. it's real stretchy and it's almost got this like chewing gum type sensation the way yes. she's playing with it. Yes. And then also the way that it kind of encapsulates Lanfear. It almost has this like bouncy quality where I'm like, oh, that's different. Like that's, we haven't seen a weave react like that before. Like we haven't seen something like that kind of bouncing in that manner. So it's just interesting. Yeah. And I really don't think that we've seen anything quite like the, the way that she like trapped Lanfear. Like, I don't think we've had anything where it's like, and now that person just like, that's where you are. That's where you stay. Right. Like even the weaves of air where someone's like wrapped in weaves of air so they can't move. It's usually like it looks rope-like, you know? Yes. Yeah, it does. 
it's going to be interesting to see how long they take it before Nynaeve is channeling, like, at all. Because at the moment, what, she channeled once the entire season? Is that right? She channeled in the arches, and then she channeled with Le- uh, Leandrin. Yes. I think that's it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, like, how we get Nynaeve to the point where she's channeling in a battle against Mogidian and what unlocks that for her in that moment. Right, right. And also another thing that I was thinking about in terms of like a weave that we haven't really seen yet. Like yeah. We haven't really seen what compulsion looks like yet in terms yeah. of how the weave looks. So that's something yes. that could be very interesting. Yeah. Because Ooh, you yeah. don't want it to look mm. too like jungle book you know like the snake eyes where it's like hypnotizing someone but you want to show that there's some type of magic happening here so they're gonna have to come up with something and i bet that's been a really fun project for them to work on yeah that's really cool to think about and like making it distinct like that yeah individual even i love that I always feel so hopeful when, like, everything in something like this gets that level of attention to detail. just makes me feel so good. Yeah, and I mean, coming up with things you don't like is a lot easier, I think, than being like, well, let's look at all of these things behind the scenes that people aren't even really, like, aware of how much time and effort is being poured into it where it's like can you imagine how much time they spent on just that scene alone with mo gideon making sure that it looked like how they wanted yep yes yeah it's wild it's wild the acting is great there are decisions that were made this season where i'm like "Eh," you know right it didn't hit it didn't hit for me but like man like i can't I don't know. I can't say enough good things because it's really exciting seeing that the show is starting to go in this direction where yes. If you would have asked me at season 1, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't know what I would have said. Like I don't Yeah. I don't know if I would have had as much faith in the adaptation yeah. back yeah. then. But mm-hmm. I I'm very happy with season two. Of course, there's things yeah. that I think maybe they could have done a little bit differently, but I'm just excited for season three. It's a much more linear story. They're not trying yes. to combine as many books. Yeah. I feel like it should be a really fun adaptation of The Shadow Rising. You know, some yeah. changes, I'm sure, obviously, but sure. in terms of like, books like this is one where i feel like they're probably going to stick pretty close to it and the main changes that we will see will probably include stuff like tom yeah yeah and like placement of characters but we'll see yeah i think one of the things and this surprises me one of the things i'm most excited to see is going to be parents storyline for season three I'm going to bet he's going to hop into the ways again because there's a way get close by and we know it from fall. So he could totally do that if he wanted to. So we could still have that. Loyal could still go with him and that would be pretty fun. I don't know if we would still get any Aiel that choose to go with Perrin, but I believe there's been an actress confirmed for Fael, right? There hasn't been an official Fael casting release yet from the show but there have been multiple sources out there saying yes she is cast if i can recall correctly but also there was <laughs> months ago saying like fail's definitely gonna be in season two there's a leak i don't yeah, yeah that yeah. definitely didn't happen but yeah fail in season two was yeah definitely a rumor and it would have been too early. I really appreciated the moment where Perrin was about to like send his ring off on the little floating lantern and instead took it and kept it. Like 
he's still grieving. Introducing Fayil now, I just feel would have been like too soon for Perrin's character and maybe even too soon for us as an audience. Like, I thought they handled that really well. And I think it gives us room to introduce a potential love interest in the next season. But again, I, and I think we've talked about this, I would much rather see Fayil become like a trusted confidant like someone that he respects and whatnot, and then develops feelings for. I would love to see like a meeting of equals in Fayil and Perrin. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. But should we wrap it up there? Yeah, that sounds great. There's so much to look forward to for next season. Agreed. And everybody, mm-hmm. thanks for hanging out and listening in on your mm-hmm. lazy Sunday. I hope it was a marvelous day for all of you agreed agreed and enjoy the rest of it i know i'm going to thanks so much for joining us we will continue to release new episodes every wednesday we would love if you would subscribe to the podcast leave us reviews and share us with your friends in the wheel of time community let us know what you thought of our content correct us send us things we may have missed you can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes and if you have the anchor app leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes we also have a website where you can find links to our discord channel social media platforms and merch shop so until next week thanks for joining us on the road to tarvalin